the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is Cover 3 College Football Summer School. We've done our research on the teams, and now we're bringing on the top team experts from the 24-7 Sports Network to help us fill in the blanks. Please follow us on Twitter at Cover3Podcast. That's Cover3Podcast. And leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. All right. Class is in session. Hey guys, I'm Bud Elliott, and welcome back again to the Cover 3 Podcast. This is another summer school edition, and today we're going to talk a little Oklahoma State with Go Pokes 24-7's Cody Nagel. Cody, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No doubt, man. So Oklahoma State last year, a, a really strong year and another, another good performance under Mike Gundy, 12-2 uh, and two overall, top 15 level performance, if you look kind of the, the Vegas power ratings, if you will, a nice comeback win over Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. I imagine the mood there has to be pretty strong. Yeah, definitely. There's there's definitely a lot of positive vibes coming off last season. Um, you know, there was some disappointment. They weren't able to to get that one extra yard there in the Big 12 title game. But, you know, being able to come back and, and beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl and what's I'm, what is, I'm pretty sure is the biggest comeback in school history, down 21 points there um, early in the, the second half or early in the second quarter there. Um, so, yeah, being able to beat them, is there's definitely a lot of hype coming off that going into this season. I, I want to start here with with the offense. Uh, 53rd in offensive efficiency last year. Surprisingly, kind of equal running and passing uh, efficiency-wise. In my mind, when I watched them, I was like, okay, they're a better running team than they are a throwing team. But uh, Spencer Sanders was, I guess, effective on the underneath stuff. They just struggled to hit the deep ball uh, with any consistency uh, to, to create those explosive plays that – when Mike Gundy's offenses are good, they're typically pretty good at hitting the explosives in the last two years, just uh, less so. And he had like a fairly decent completion percentage and yet had a whole lot of turnovers. Uh, and yet he was a good runner. This is, how do I ask this? Um, <laughs> do you think he's going to get a lot better? Or is this just who he is and they have to manage around it? You know, I think he's somewhat progressed and gotten better each season that he's been the starter. Um, I believe this will be his fourth year now going in. Um, for this 2022 season but you know yeah you mentioned the turnovers those have always been a big thing whether it's you know fumbles in the pocket or or interceptions you know the, the four he had in the big 12 title game obviously stand out but um you know he he hasn't had a whole lot of help on the offensive line i think you know a lot of those turnovers that he's had have been you know on the interceptions especially he's got a defender right in his face he's you know halfway to the ground on some of those throws so um, you know, whether he should probably just take the sack there instead of trying to make a play, you know, that's, that's probably on him, but, you know, yeah, there's definitely the, the turnover issue there. Um, and, and like you mentioned, the, the deep threat, they haven't really had a, a big deep threat, um, these past couple seasons, um, you know, maybe they can get one of these younger wide receivers to, to step up and, and be one of those guys that can, you know, beat corners down the field and, and get those explosive plays that they've kind of been missing. 
As far as uh, guys of, of consequence who they lost from this offense, I mean, I'm looking over this, and, and it it has a bit of a, a Michigan feel to me. And like, hey, Michigan was really good last year, primarily because of the defense and the offense would do just enough in some crucial situations. Uh, but like Michigan, Oklahoma State seems to get a whole lot more back on offense than they do on defense. I mean, they, they lose Josh Sills, they lose Tay Warren, they lose uh, shoot now the running back whose name escapes me. <laughs> Uh, Jalen Warren, yeah, Jalen Warren. Excuse me, and, and what Tay Martin? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Combine those two guys. That was, that was not, not good <laughs> I know podcasting. What you meant, yeah. Um, I feel like almost everybody else of importance is back, right? Like, shouldn't this offense take a step forward? Yeah, the biggest question again is just the offensive line. They're they were really really thin this spring. Um, I believe they only had probably you know max ten healthy offensive linemen at one point. Um, and they started to to lose a couple of injuries throughout the spring. So, you know, that's the biggest question going into next season is, you know, can they put together a solid offensive line? Um, you know, they're bringing in a few transfers that that should help. Um, but, yeah, it's they've got the key pieces there. You know, obviously Spencer Sanders is back. Um, they've got Dominic Richardson at running back. He's been a backup a couple of years for the past couple of years. Um, showed us some few bright spots. Um, you know, Ollie Gordon, the big four-star freshman coming in, you know, he, he obviously looks the part, um, you know, just whether he can, you know, take his game to the, the power five level is the big question there with him. Um, and then they've got a ton of young wide receivers. Um, a lot of them that got playing time last year because they were so thin at wide out um, and, and also had some injuries there too. So, you know, they've got guys that have experience, um, but just the biggest question in my, my opinion is just the offensive line and whether they, they can, piece together five guys that can can stay healthy throughout the year for sure uh switching over to the defensive side of the ball where uh i i think a lot of us thought this would be a good defense i'm not sure how many people called it, it would be the number four defense in the country in terms of, of, of total efficiency uh that was a, a really remarkable performance by them last year yeah definitely you know you talk about jim Knowles and his system he was in here for i believe four years and they just progressively got better each year. Um, and yeah, last year you kind of thought they'd be a good defense. Like you said, you know, I think they would, or I guess I kind of projected them to lead the big 12, but I didn't expect them to be one of the you know best defenses in the country. And, um, but yeah, they, they lose a lot of pieces on that end. Um, obviously Jim Knowles is gone now. Um, Derek Mason takes over coming in from, from Auburn. Um, that was a really big hire for Mike Gundy. Um, you know, a lot of times when they when he hires coordinators, they're kind of, you know, guys nobody's ever heard of. He'll even go down to the Division three level to pick up guys. So, you know, for him to get a, an experienced defensive coordinator and one that's proven to have success um, pretty much anywhere he goes, um, you know, that, that was a big hire for them. But, yeah, they definitely lose a lot of pieces. Um, you know, the few that come to mind are, are Malcolm Rodriguez, the, the All-American linebacker there in the middle. Um, then you think about all the guys on the secondary that they lose. Um, Jark, Bernard Converse, Christian Holmes, um, Colby Harrell Peel, Tanner McAllister followed Jim Knowles to Ohio State. So, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of pe- pieces missing there for sure. I, I look at this defense and I, I think, I mean, just looking at the depth chart and the projected depth charts, obviously everybody go read gofolks247.com. Um, defensive line should still be okay, I think, as long as they – it looks like they lost about a thousand snaps from guys who were listed at defensive tackle, but they also, they would play a little bit of odd front and some of these quote unquote DNs are like listed at 280, 290. So they should be okay there, right? 
Yeah, I mean, you bring back Brennan Evers. Um, you know, he's a, a starter that's been in there a few years. Um, Sione Asi, um, also a guy that started a few t- few years. Um, but Tyler Lacey, um, he's one of those guys that you know he's a, a bigger defensive end that you can probably put into the into the inside if you need, because um, they've got so many defensive ends and edge rushers. You know, I think of Colin Oliver and his big standout freshman season, um, and then you get Trace Ford back, who hasn't played since. Uh, I believe the regular season finale of, of 2020. So, and, you know, he had a b- pretty big freshman season too in, in 2019. So, um, you know, they've got a bunch of, of edge rushers that they can throw out there. And, you know, maybe you put, um, and also Brock Martin, I'm forgetting about him too, another defensive end that that had a really good season last year. So, you know, maybe they throw three edge rushers out there basically and put Tyler Lacey in the middle and, and just pass rush, pass rush the quarterback the whole game. But, yeah, there's definitely they've got more depth on the defensive line. I think that's the area that's probably of less concern when you think about the defense. Sorry. So, which uh, which of these units um, are you more confident in will be able to replace or just avoid a, a big drop off uh, from the production of, of last year? So, linebacker they lose Malcolm Rodriguez, they also lose Harper, and those guys combined for almost seventeen hundred snaps, which I been doing yeah. a lot of these this week. I don't think I've seen any team lose 1,700 snaps at linebackers. Like Those dudes kind of stayed healthy and played just about every damn game and played really well, uh, especially Rodriguez. Or defensive back, which, as you mentioned, they lose four out of five uh, guys who had 500-plus snaps last year. Like, Is there a unit where you're like, you know what, they'll actually be okay there? Or is the worry kind of equal? Yeah, I think both those are probably equal. Um, you know, linebacker, they've got some guys that, that have – played a little bit you know obviously not a whole lot when Rodriguez and and Harper are playing the entire game and entire season but you know they've got some guys there that have a little bit of experience and and look pretty good this spring Um, but in the secondary you know you've got Jason Taylor coming back Um, he always seems to make make a big play each game whether it's an interception or or fumble recovery or something Um, you know they've got Kendall Daniels who is a a high four-star guy that I believe he was top 100 prospect um, you know, he probably sees the field this season now. I um, mean, he, he didn't go out there at all last year just because he was kind of a late arrival. But, um, you know, he's big 6'5 safety. Um, so there's obviously a lot of height there. Um, you know, th- they've got they've got the pieces there again. Um, it's just whether they're proven and, and can, you know, take over for guys that were multi-year starters. So, yeah, I think they're probably about even. But if I had to pick one, I'd think, Linebacker is probably the, the little bit more of a concern just because of how productive um, Rodriguez and Harper were for them last year. This has really been a great rundown. Speaking with Cody Nagel of GoPokes247.com, our 24-7 sports Oklahoma State affiliate. I, I feel like this is a team that a lot of people will write off as just kind of a, a one-year deal, but Gunny's done such a good job coaching over the years, uh, consistently having them compete and when things click. Can the offense take a big enough step, in your opinion, to offset, I think, the presumed uh, step back of the of the defense to have them in Big 12 contention again? Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, it just comes down to, to Spencer Sanders and, and how well he plays and how consistent he plays. I um, mean, you know, he he had better stretches last year of, you know, putting, um, I guess, good games together in a row, um, you know, in prior years, it seemed like he'd have have a good game, and then the next game he'd, you know, throw more picks than touchdowns or whatever. But you know, he he seemed to get more comfortable, get more in a rhythm. Um, and then obviously towards the end of the season, they started to 
have some injuries on the offensive line that kind of hurt them and um, injuries in the backfield with Jalen Warren. But you know, I, I think the offense can can get up to, you know, what we've seen in the past with Mike Gundy, you know, the, those high powered offenses that, you know, put up, um, I don't think they're going to put up 50 points a game, but, you know, maybe get up to 40 points a game or whatever, just to help balance out the, you know, I guess the decline of, of the defense. I don't think they're obviously going to be as good as they were last year, but I think both units will, will be pretty solid for sure and get them, you know, they'll definitely be in the race for, for a big 12 title game. I remember reading your, your injury reports and, 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 you know, especially the pregame reporting at, at go pokes. And, uh, it's like, man, the, the early games, I felt like Sanders was kind of screwed because all, all the receivers and, and, and tight ends that were out at times, like the, the Boise game, weren't, weren't they missing like a ton of, of skill position guys and late in the year, the O-line injuries. I, I don't know, man, like I don't really trust Spencer Sanders, but I do trust Mike Gundy enough to where I just, I think counting this team out is the wrong move. Yeah, they're definitely going to be a top 25 team. I mean, I think we've got them at 25 today on the, on our, you know, post spring rankings or whatever, but um, you know, I think they'll work their way up into those rankings. They always seem to be, you know, a team, like you said, that people kind of, you know, write off or whatever at the beginning of the year, and then you get back and or get into November or whatever, and they're sneaking into the top 10. And, you know, last year, I don't think anyone really expected after those first three non-conference games when they're barely beating Missouri state, Boise state and, and Tulsa that they'd be in, you know, the, the playoff consideration there at the end of November. But so, yeah, I, I think they will be a top 20, top 25 team for sure. And, um, you know, who knows, this could end up being another one of Mike Gundy's better, better coaching years for sure. No doubt about it. Yeah. I, I look back at my notes. I, I, I bet they're over last year. I did not think that ticket would cash by Halloween. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, that was, uh, that, that was, that was very fun. Cody really appreciate the time today. Uh, everybody needs to go check out go pokes 24 seven, especially if you are an Oklahoma state fan or a Big 12 fan. We'll have to have you on soon. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate you. All right. Take care, buddy. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey guys, I'm Bud Elliott and welcome back into the Cover 3 College Ball Podcast. This is another summer school edition and today we are talking Sugar Bowl champs. That's right, Baylor. Uh, and to help us talk Baylor, we're going to go ahead and bring on Garrett Ross of BearsIllustrated.com. Garrett, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. And, and I'll always enjoy reading y'all's coverage over there. At Bears Illustrated, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Uh, really nice year for Bader last year, 12-2 and two overall. I think the Vegas power ratings had him like 15th, which not a huge disagreement, I, I guess, with 12-2. With, with and two. I think most everybody can agree they were you know, somewhere between a, a really good to, you know, to elite-level team. Um, I had him a little bit lucky in, in terms of like the close game stuff, 5-1 and one in games that were within a touchdown in the final five minutes. But you know, to their credit, they, they did close that out i imagine that the, the mood in waco has got to be pretty damn good oh yeah it's it's really good the thing is going to be how can you back it up right like most of your games last year the big key games you had the benefit of playing them at home in mclean stadium you know this year you're going to have to go to norman you got to go to provo as well as austin and texas tech um so that's going to be the challenge this year is being able to to really control the the games away from home and get those wins no doubt about it. Uh, we'll go ahead and start here on the offensive side of the ball. 
Uh, last year, 41st in efficiency. Uh, so definitely the, the lesser of the two units between the offense and defense. But it it held its own. I felt like at times it got better throughout the year. The, the, the new scheme under Jeff Grimes uh, I thought was a, a real improvement over the prior year with, with you know, basically simplifying, going a little more zone and, and uh, something the players could buy into more. Uh, we also saw uh, Dave Aranda not punt in opponent territory nearly as much as he seemed to trust his offense. I was very worried about him as a head coach after 20, 20, uh, after 2020, given all that. But it felt like now that he has some confidence, maybe he's uh, a little more progressive in that area. And today's perfect timing for this episode because – it looks like it's going to be shaping at quarterback, and they're going to let Bohannon know and, and give him a chance to uh, to transfer out, right? Yeah, so I think the news really came down last night. Um, if you go back and look throughout the course of the season, as far as spring practice goes, it was really a close battle. Um, I think what it really comes down to is Shapin's command of the offense and his ability to stretch the field. You know, Gary is a, is a good quarterback, really, when it comes down to dumping it uh, down to your tight ends, which is very beneficial to have guys like, you know, Sims and Dabney that you can rely on. Uh, but he really struggled stretching the fields at time last year. And he was really reliant, in my opinion, too much on Tyquan Thornton. Those were two guys who hit campus at the same time and were able to get a lot of reps in outside of practice. And they just were comfortable. But there was times last year where he had opportunities to spread the field and R.J. Sneed might be behind the coverage, but he just was comfortable going back to Thornton and I think that's really what the difference is. Baylor wants to open this offense up this year and kind of take some of the pressure off of their running ba- uh, running backs. Interesting. That, that's where I was going to go next. So, you know, Shapin, I felt like, had a really high completion percentage and obviously, you know, five to nothing touchdown interception ratio is – that's what you're looking for. Uh, but a relatively, you know, low, you know, given that, uh, yards per attempt. So pushing the ball down the field is going to be interesting. I I have, I guess, some questions about this offense because you know, Smith and Ebner are gone at running back. Thornton, Sneed, and Estrada are all gone at receiver, right? So I'm kind of like, that's tough. Anybody who had more than 20 targets last year um, is gone, but yet I see an offensive line that returns a whole lot. So I I don't know. I, off, off the rip, I'm like, this offense is going to be worse this year. But now I'm like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if the offensive line can carry them and they can have more success pushing down the field, as you're indicating – who do you think steps up for them at those skill positions? That's an awful lot to lose in one offseason. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have a lot of young guys. I think if you look at your experience, you look for a guy like Gavin Holmes on the outside as receiver. Uh, but this is a guy who's also coming off of two ACLs. So, you know, you never know what you're going to get in that aspect. Uh, but look for a guy like Monterey Baldwin. This is a young kid from the from the area, the Central Texas area, that really had a breakout. And he looked really good during the spring game as well. Uh, and he got some reps last year. Uh, but you could also look for uh, a guy like uh, Javon Gibson to come out. Uh, this is a young guy as well, but he shined and showed some promise stretching the field. And he had uh, him and Cameron Bonner is another guy to keep an eye on as well. Shapin had a good connection with both of them guys in the spring game. Uh, it's just a matter of being able to do that on a consistent basis once you get into live action. For sure. Uh, so last year, Smith, Ebner, and Bohannon combined for uh, – Damn near 500 rushing attempts. Uh, that That's a ton of your offensive plays going go to three guys with their legs. Uh, I assume they won't run Shapin nearly as much as they ran Bohannon. Is, is there a, a back that they feel good about? Right now, I think you're going to look at a guy like Tay McWilliams to really step up and get a bulk of the carry. So, uh, he did a, a really good job of doing that in the spring game. 
Um, you're also going to look at a guy like uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank right, Jordan Jenkins that was coming in. He's a freshman, but this is a guy that you're really wanting to put uh, your team around. He was recruited. He's a bigger back. Uh, you saw some reps from him during the spring game. I think you're going to see him get involved more as well. But those are going to be – and also Squirrel Williams. Squirrel Williams is a guy who Baylor fans have been waiting to see break out since like 2018. Uh, he's been sidelined side with a lot of injuries. Uh, but he come out in the spring game and broke loose on multiple touchdowns. Um, he's really fast, elusive. It's a matter of if you can get him healthy. Uh, but that's really where you have the benefit of having that experience in the offensive line that's going to come into play. So the offensive line is – if you're betting on this Baylor offense to be better this year, it's more efficient quarterback play and the offensive line continuing to become a, a really strong unit. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. And I think it definitely helps when you have as many – you have four guys returning on the unit who all had valuable reps last year. Um, and they did a really good job holding their own in the spring game against the Baylor defensive line, who a lot of people are expecting to be really good. I mean, you're bringing back – Multiple starters across there with TJ Franklin, guys like uh, Apu Ika, who had a big game coming over from LSU last year. Uh, you add, um, you add uh, J- uh, I'm sorry, Jackson Player out of the transfer portal from Tulsa as well, and you throw him into the mix. And they got a lot of talent up in the front of the defensive end, but they struggled getting pressure in the spring game against the offensive line. Interesting. So I let, let's let's go there now to to that defense. Uh, last year the defense. No surprise, Dave Aranda coach team. They were really damn good, 13th in, in total deficient, uh, defensive efficiency. Uh, that front is going to be nasty, I, I, I have to think. They don't lose anybody, right? No, I mean, that's really going to be the, the staple point of your defense. Uh, and also, you got to count on your linebackers as well. When you bring back a guy like Dylan Doyle uh, in that position, you add Josh White coming over from LSU, and you also have uh, Matt Jones who – He's, he's really got a lot of promise. He's been injured and missed a lot of the spring, but it's definitely going to be your front seven to carry the load for the defense. Are, are they going to, how much will they miss, uh, miss Bernard and Logan at linebacker? Uh, Bernard more so a lot. Um, I think the biggest key off that defense is going to be Jalen Petrie. I, I don't know how you're really going to yeah. be able to replete, replace him. Um, and, and then on the back end, I think you're going to miss JT Woods. Uh, Riley Tejada is the guy that you'll miss as well, but there were some times last year where Tejada got exposed. Um, but I think that's going to be really difficult trying to p- replace Bernard, but more so it's it's Jalen Petrie that is going to be the biggest loss for that defense. As far as um, the veteran nature of the guys you do have coming back, I, I thought one of the things that impressed him at Bader last year was how many different coverages they could run and, and run successfully. And I, I think you saw that in terms of the number of, of pass breakups and, and interceptions that they came down with, they they fooled people oftentimes. Uh, and, and granted, like it's that's kind of what Aranda does, uh, but it does require a, a certain level of, of intelligence and experience oftentimes with, with those DBs. Do you think they can run as, as much stuff as they ran last year, or are they going to have to not dumb it down, but sort of simplify it a little bit? That's actually a really good question. So Ron Roberts, the defensive coordinator, addressed this a couple of weeks ago, and he said that right now he feels like this unit is far ahead of where they have been up to any point. Now, granted, you're losing a lot of talent, but for him to say that he's confident in that mental makeup that you're talking about. For sure. Um, special teams, no no huge losses, it looks like, right, uh, other than Ed- Edna returning kicks. Yeah, that's going to be difficult. I mean, you're going to have – 
probably look for Squirrel Williams. He's gotten some reps. Armani Winfield as well is another young guy. And Monterey Baldwin, uh, you know, those are some guys that you can probably see back there returning kicks. But Ebner is definitely the biggest loss as far as special teams goes. Do you feel like this team is a uh, is a legitimate contender to to get back to the Big 12 title game, or you feel it's more of kind of like a, a regroup here? Um, I mean, look, I, we were actually talking about this yesterday on our Bears Illustrated podcast, and I have Baylor going eight and four in the regular okay. season. And that really goes back to what I was talking to you at first is a lot of the games on the road. If you look at last year, when you went to TCU, uh, that was an, you know, you weren't expecting Chandler Morris to go off, but at the same time, you've got to take care of business, right? And you weren't able to do that. You went up to Stillwater in a true road environment and you come away with a nail. Um, so with, with all of that said, I think there's just too many, too much hurdles to overcome this year. You have the talent, but I need to see you prove that you can win on the road. That's why I have them eight and four. I think that's fair. I mean, also in the non-con, uh, you know, Baylor typically typically schedules itself a three and zero. But in, you know, last year they had BYU at home. Now they got to make that return trip to Provo, and that, I feel like that Provo team, uh, even though I, I, I think you should project Baylor's defense to be uh, quite good again, I'm confident that BYU team is going to score on people. Like like and early on, like they bring back a lot uh, offensively. So I, you, the offense for Baylor is going to have to be able to put up. You think like at least like a like a twenty eight spot to to go do oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and I think that's going to be where we really find out a lot about the secondary because BYU is going to test you. They're going to they're going to yeah. you know try to get you in situations and, and test the back end of that defense, and that's where I'm kind of concerned. I, I don't know if I know there's a lot of talent on the team, especially on the back end, but the youth and not having seen those game reps, how does that come out and play? And I think that's going to be the tricky situation when you're up. At, in Provo against BYU. No doubt about it. Garrett Ross, Bears Illustrated. Really appreciate it. Everybody check out the Bears Illustrated podcast as well. Go to bearsillustrated.com if you're a Baylor fan or a Big 12 fan. And Garrett, enjoy the time. We'll have to have you back on, on Cover 3 as we preview the season. Thanks, man. appreciate you having me. No doubt. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, y'all. Welcome back into Bud Elliott's College Football Summer School here on the Cover 3 podcast. And we're just so fortunate to have a great group of experts here at 24-7 Sports. And today we're talking a little West Virginia. So we're going to bring on Chris Anderson of Ear Sports. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Bud. You guys do such a great job over there. It's a you know a really interesting program, a program that has you know, obviously changed conferences and in, in, in the, the recent uh, past and, and you know, is, is trying to find its footing more consistently in the Big 12. Um, last year, six and seven overall record. I had a power rated top 75-ish uh, on, on the season. Some some ups and downs. I assume Western fans are, are hoping for better uh, from Coach Brown. Yeah, absolutely. His motto has been trust the climb. And in the climb, when it started – when he got there, West Virginia only had about 50 some scholarships, had a lot of seniors left, not a lot of experience. So them going five and seven was acceptable, uh, I think is a way to put it. And then to make the next 
step up the following year, uh, six and four, COVID year, all that. And I think people saw positive signs. But the problem with a climb is you slip one time and you fall all the way back to the bottom. And last year was a big step back. And then you compound that problem with all the departures and the offseason to transfers. And, and fans are a little, you know, a little uptight right now, a little curious where things are going, hoping for a big step forward. And, and a couple of the things that have happened this offseason, which I'm sure we'll talk about, have helped ease some of those concerns with fans. For sure. All right, let's let's go ahead and start on the offense here. Uh, 75th. I, I felt like they could move the ball and get first downs, but uh, as far as like you're on, on the you know explosion versus just consistency scale, consistency was okay. Explosion, one of the least explosive offenses in the country. Um, you lose Winston right to the transfer portal. Obviously, uh, he signed Florida State and then uh, got in a car crash. I uh, hope he's okay. And Letty Brown also departs there from the running back spot. But you, you bring in JT Daniels, quarterback from Georgia, who was a you know, five-star coming out, has battled injuries, was at USC. Offensive line looks like it's really experienced uh, relative to a lot of the programs <laughs> that I've covered on this series already. And and you get Graham Harrell coming in, who is on the air raid tree, much much like Neil Brown is. I mean, they run a little different stuff. But what what are you expecting out of this year's offense? Well, you, you see what you saw during spring practice, which, as anybody that covers college football knows, is limited. Uh, you get limited time, and whatever they do show you is usually pretty vanilla. Spring game, similar. But what stood out to me is the, are the comments that some of the players have made, like wide receiver Caden Prather, offensive lineman James Committer, both of them after the spring game, talking about how this offense with the play calling has swagger has confidence it, it they're calling plays now with Graham Harrell on the offense as if they're going to make every play and I feel like based off what they're saying and what we saw the last three years is that a lot of the offense was hey let's try not to screw up more so than let, let's take a deep shot let's make a big play it was just let's just try not to screw up and let the defense keep us in there so I think that's the biggest change um and, and a lot of that has to deal with Harrell. I think, you know, obviously Daniels is not on campus yet uh, and, and fans and players are excited to see what he can do. But for the first time, even though West Virginia's had three separate offensive coordinators now under Neil Brown, this is the first time there'll be a new play caller because Neil Brown has been calling the plays the entire time. He has handed the reins completely over to Graham Harrell. How much of that do you feel is the belief of the Mountaineer coaching staff that they can actually protect some of these you know, deep shots. I, yeah. I feel like, I mean, as a casual fan watching them, they had protection issues in, in, uh, in his early years there. Absolutely. I think they were one of the worst in, in sack percentage or sacks allowed percentage last year in the big 12. And this year they've made a couple tweaks, but I went back and looked and I got as far back as 2004, 2003, and that's when stats got a little hazy about who was actually starting on the offensive line. But this is the first time that West Virginia has is scheduled to have all five starters back on the offensive line. Granted, it wasn't great last year, but the hope is that the tweaks that they've made this spring will change that. And one of the biggest was moving former All-American or high school All-American and former right tackle Wyatt Milam to left tackle instead of right. Uh, he was a true freshman last year, and offensive line coach Matt Moore said, 
putting him as a true freshman, as a, not only a starter, but at left tackle was too much to ask of him last year. So now that we, he's in his first offseason, they've moved him to left tackle, moved Brandon Yates to right tackle and kind of opened up that competition because at left tackle, Yates, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, had more hurries allowed than four of the other five linemen combined or at least three of the next four linemen combined. So that that was the big issue on that left side of the line. Wow. Okay. That that's uh that's a lot. That, that, I mean, if you get a if you get Milam over there who who can actually protect, I mean that, that allows you to call a lot of different things. Um sort of lightning around here for the offense. We're we're assuming JT Daniels is going to be the starter, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I know he picked Western West Virginia over some spots that I, I think he absolutely would have been the starter, including uh, Missouri. So who uh who steps up at receiver, in your opinion? If they become more explosive, it's because blank what, what became the guy. Caden Prather, just an absolute freak of an athlete, four-star recruit, true freshman, came on towards the end of last year, had a big spring game, big spring. He's everything you want in a receiver. All right, defensively now, the, the defense kind of carried them at times last year, I, I, I felt. Um, I'm going to start up front. Now, you do lose – I think it's pronounced Mesador, right? Correct. Uh, he, he transfers out. Um, there was a lot of smoke around around that, and and West, you know, Mountaineer fans were kind of up in arms uh, about the transfers. I, I wanted to ask you, like, is that a reflection on the culture inside the program, or is it just other things being offered elsewhere, or or both? Just other things being offered elsewhere. Um, Dante Stills made a surprising decision to come back for a sixth year. I think a lot of people expected him to go off to the NFL. Um, or excuse me, a fifth year, but he elected to come back. And when he came back, he took that kind of five technique, seven technique, that outside edge rusher. And that's where Mesador wanted to play. That's where he thought he was going to play. Stills is elected to come back, which meant Mesador was going to be playing a lot more, not necessarily zero technique, but a lot more interior defensive line. And he, he felt, his best spot in the future was further outside. You combine that with some better NIL, NIL opportunities. And I mean, I, I know there was a lot of anger from fans. And I think most of that became because of the comments he made after he left, which just didn't make any sense. But when you look at the reality of it, anybody who has any job and they say, hey, we're going to double your pay and put you in the position that you want to be in, everyone's taking it. Everyone is. And and Mesador was no different. So I I don't blame him for looking around. I don't blame any of these kids for looking around. I think he just could have handled it better when he left instead of saying some of the things he did. For sure. Um, this front seven should still be pretty good unless I'm missing something, right? I mean, like, a, a ton of experience, a lot of guys who've been very productive in the past. Yeah. Uh, still, as I mentioned, he's still there. Replacing Mesador will be Jordan Jefferson, who is more of a traditional nose type, a zero technique type. He played last year, uh, obviously, as a reserve, but when he was in there, he was excellent, graded out very high, according to PFF. Uh, on the other side is Taj Alston, who's been a multi-year starter as well, so you got tons of experience on the defensive front. Uh, at linebacker, Xtree Lowe and Lance Dixon split time as starters at Will last year. At Bandit, you had Jared Bartlett and Linnell Carr split time as starters there. They're both back. So really the question is at Mike and – there you have Lee Koba, who came from Syracuse, 
was a rotation guy there as a true freshman and as a true sophomore, and they're expecting him to step right in and start this coming season. Interesting. Okay, that, that could be a pretty nice fill then. Uh, now for the sort of major question I have about this team, uh, or at least about this defense. Uh, they had five guys last year who played 500 or more snaps in the secondary, uh, and all five are gone. Yep. What, Chris, I don't really have a question. What what happens here? I, I, I don't – what's going to happen? I, they're rolling the dice on the FCS transfer uh, you know, gauntlet here. They had some success with Charles Woods, who ended the season as a starting cornerback. He was an FCS All-American in 2020 and came to West Virginia, but he didn't get there till the summer. So he was way, he was late, didn't really start at the beginning of the year, took over the starting job after Nick Troy Fortune got hurt and was excellent. I believe he ended up the year as the highest graded player on defense, according to PFF. And they're hoping that at least two of those other secondary spots can be filled by similar players. Um, Marcus Floyd, another FCS All-American, Coming in, he is playing that cat safety. It's kind of a free safety spot. They're hoping he can fill that, the help on the back end. And then Jasir Cox from uh, North Dakota State. Excellent, excellent player there. All-conference type guy on a championship caliber team. Is and he he's going to play Jabril? that. Sp- yeah, his brother. Okay. Jabril um, Cox, a name a lot of fans might might recognize, who the linebacker transferred to LSU. Right. Uh, and it t- trying to take a similar path. and. He's going to play that spear, which is that hybrid safety linebacker spot. So West Virginia is hoping that they have the similar success. Hey, these guys have had success at FCS. Let's hope they have the same success in Power Five. Awesome. Uh, okay, a couple, couple more here, if you got the time. Um, yeah. Special teams last year really was a problem for the most part. Like punt return was okay. Uh, field goals. Not not bad at all, but everything else was was fairly uh, problematic. Is, is that a, a one year blip, or is that something they've tried to address? What where do you see that going? Because I feel like for a team that is probably best case scenario playing a lot of close games, uh, they, they they can't afford some of the huge special teams disasters again. They have overhauled almost everything. Uh, they went out and got an Australian punter, Ollie Straw, who showed up this spring. He'll be in the competition. They hope they change that with some Aussie style punts because. To be quite honest, there just doesn't seem to be anybody on the roster that's going to boom it, you know, 50 yards with five second hang time. It's just not happening. And they spent a scholarship on a kickoff specialist, which I think a lot of people would think, wow, what what are you doing? You need you need help a lot of places. But if you're looking to get better this year, you need to find guys with that 83rd, 84th, 85th scholarship that can do something to help you this season. And that's where Parker Grothaus from Florida State comes in. He is a guy that can just boom it into the end zone and you don't have to worry about anything else on kickoff. And and that can help with starting field position because West Virginia struggled there mightily last year. So they're just open, kick it in the end zone, forget it, and let's get back on defense. Yeah, they were uh, 128th in uh, field position starting off of kickoffs. So that's one of the reasons I asked. I was like, oh my gosh, that's... uh, that's problematic. Um, okay, so transfer portal, they obviously had a good number of kids uh, leave. We, we covered sort of the, the reasons why. What, where do you think that they will try, if they have any spots left, uh, post-spring to enhance the team with the portal? They have at least four right now, okay. and a lot of it's going to be, no surprise, in the secondary. 
Um, they're looking for at least one, maybe two. Uh, another spot could be linebacker to add depth there. Uh, an old name that WVU fans know, Tyreek Austin Cave, who's transferring from Miami. Uh, West Virginia was in his final two out of high school. He might be visiting next weekend, and, and that could be somebody to watch to fill in some depth there. Um, and then you have to wonder if they go wide receiver. Like You don't add JT Daniels at quarterback and try to go all in on this offense without thinking, I might need to add another weapon for him if we're really going to try to get this offense going. Uh, that that has to be what the coaching staff's thinking about. No doubt. Chris Anderson, really appreciate the time here on the Summer School Series on the Cover 3 Podcast. Make sure you guys check out Ear Sports and the Ear Sports Podcast. Y'all did a tremendous job, and I really appreciate the time today. Thanks for having me on. All right, Chris. All right, that's the bell. Cover 3 College Football Summer School is over for today. But don't worry. We'll be back soon with even more episodes filling you in on the top teams in college football. Please give us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on YouTube and on Twitter at Cover3Podcast, and we'll see you all soon.